Hello, everyone, and welcome back to our podcast, Interruptions. For those of you who are listening for the very first time, we call our podcast Interruptions because we believe that there's this magical space between an incident or something occurring and our reaction to that incident or occurrence. We call that space, that time between the occurrence and the response, the interruption. So we on the Workplace Learning and Professional Development team believe that if you have the appropriate tools to engage positively during that interruption, that's when magic can happen and we can yield the positive results that we all want. So today's episode is a part of our Love GT series where we're taking a deeper look into our Institute values, of which there are nine. And I am super excited today to chat with Kelly Cross and Eric Edwards Today, the value that we're digging into is we act ethically. So, Eric, why don't you take a minute and just tell us a little bit about yourself before we get started? Sure. So my current role at Georgia Tech is I'm the CUI compliance manager. Um, I come from a long background, uh, over a decade of research compliance. Before then, I was working in getting my degrees, uh, my undergrads in philosophy with an emphasis in ethics, and then my master's is in bioethics from Emory. So I've spent a lot of time in this kind of field space of what acting ethically entails and what it looks like. So I think uh, it's it's a, a joy to always have a time to talk about it. Awesome. Thank you, Eric. And Kelly, tell us a little bit about you. Hi, I'm Kelly Cross. I serve as the Institute Policy Manager here at Georgia Tech, which is in the Office of Ethics and Compliance. And prior to that role, I served as a Youth Programs Compliance Specialist, which is, I think, kind of rich with ethical questions. Um, And prior to that, I oversaw student organizations and leadership development and risk management. And my background is in student development theory. So I have my master's in student affairs for um, higher education and from Texas A&M University. And I actually got my bachelor's there in history. And I have found both degrees to be very, very useful in working with employees and kind of evaluating ethical considerations and, you know, what's what's wise and how can we navigate some really tough questions yeah this is this is interesting this is going to be very interesting i think before we jump in you know i was thinking let me come up with an ethical dilemma to give to them but i decided against it i decided against it (laughs) (laughs) we're gonna play this game that i play with um several folks on this series and it's called one gotta go have you all heard of one gotta go no No, No. I'm excited though. I like new games. (laughs) All right. So one got to go. Basically, I'm going to tell you three things, three or four, maybe. I don't know. You know, a couple things and you have to tell me which one got to go. Okay. So let's start with music. So let's say uh, Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Adele, or Beyonce. Show your colors, Kelly. Okay. Is this their entire catalog of work that has to go? Or is it just from like now moving forward? Exactly. Everything got to go. Well, Whitney ain't doing no new music. <laughs> so I think I think it's like a they, they didn't exist, right? They just <laughs> gone. I love Mariah Carey's Christmas song, but I think I have to go Mariah Carey. 
I know. I know. All right. I mean, if, if it's the whole catalog of work, that's where I have to go. Okay. I'm just, Which I makes mean, me sad, get, get, but... get Adele gone. That's, that's Adele? Me. Yeah, gone. Sorry. Hello? Uh, how can I forget? Right. I was born in 85. Whitney Houston dominated. Mariah Carey dominated the 90s. Beyonce, mid-90s up. Still to today. Adele, okay. I, I mean, I know a couple of her songs, like, and she's great. Don't get me wrong. She's great. But, but does she bring the cultural impact that those other three bring? Adele, if you're listening, girl, I already know. Yep. It's crazy. <laughs> we'll just go with that. <laughs> All right, let's do another one. Apple pie, sweet potato pie, pumpkin pie, or pecan pie? Pumpkin pie. Gone. Hey, Get it gone. Girl. The pumpkin itself could go as a... <laughs> As like a, a thing in existence. That's fine. The whole pumpkin. The whole pumpkin can hit the road. For me, I'm it's a mosquito of vegetables to me. If I had to make each one, apple would be gone, but I don't have to make it. So pecan is gone. Uh that's a that's a southern it, I'm from up north and we don't pecan, nah. We already can tell you talking about pecan. Who is that? What is that? <laughs> I said pecan pie. Pecan pie. Pecan. You, I say you know pecan I say, too. You know, you, you know I'm from the north when I say so. Yeah, right? Pecan. I mean, right. sweet, I would argue sweet potato and uh, pumpkin are pretty much the same pie. Pretty much. They're not the same pie. They're, They're not the same. They, they they are visually twinsies. Have you right? cut into a They're, pumpkin? Have they you in smelled the same that? Family. Eric, we're just going to move on because. Yeah. All right. Too controversial. Between Adele. Oh, for two. Right. <laughs> All right. So thank y'all for that. That was a lot of fun. Um, so our value, we act ethically. The definition that um, we have before us is we hold one another to the highest standards of professional and ethical conduct. We are transparent and accountable and strive to earn and maintain the public trust. So Kelly, when you think about this idea of we act ethically, tell me what thoughts come to mind for you. I think for me, I think it's partially because of my work and also partially because of the kind of career changes that I've had. I think about that as a function of all of our individual work at Georgia Tech, right? The ethical considerations and acting ethically for each of us at Georgia Tech. I mean, we all want to act ethically, but I think the tough questions that we have to ask ourselves differ depending on what we're focusing on for our work. So I think for staff in student-facing positions, I think the question is, how can I serve students to the best of my ability and maintain well-being for myself, right? What does that mean? What does that balance space look like? How can I pursue excellence in my service to students and what they need to thrive and do the same for myself? And I think those questions are probably similar for a lot of employees, but I think what we are the behaviors we're exhibiting to demonstrate acting ethically for each of our work might look a little different. People that are reviewing spend authorizations for travel might be asking different questions than someone who's reviewing a student organization registration submission form. So I think for me, we act ethically is kind of deeply embedded in the unique roles that we all play on campus. Interesting. Thank you, Kelly. Eric, tell us a little bit about what comes to mind for you when you think about this idea, we act ethically. So I think to, to resonate with Kelly, I think a lot of it comes from, you know, what positions we have. I do conflict of interest. And so it's, it's a lot of the ethics of risk mitigation. You know, what can we do to uh, safeguard the Institute 
because in the institute and the individuals who are on campus. So I spend a lot of time kind of ruminating on, is this something that's going to leave a moral residue, which is something like, you know, I didn't, I made this decision. I didn't feel good about it. It's still lingering. And is that appropriate? And I think it's part of acting ethically is understanding that that's a kind of necessary function because we can't just do the things that we want to do because as simple as that sounds and ideal as that sounds, ethics is way more complicated than that. It's, you know, it's a, it's a give and play, you know, it's, there's ton, constant tension. So for, yeah, so it's really resonating with Kelly, you know, in my job, it's, it's, it's those tough decisions and making sure and reflecting that I'm doing the right thing for not only individuals, the Institute, but also myself. Yeah. So Eric, let me press in a little bit more on that. So a lot of people might say, you know, we're adults. We happen to be working at an institution of higher education um, where we do hire a lot of students, um, but for the most part, they're adults. We're professional in a workplace. Someone might ask, why would we even need a value that says we act ethically? Like, wouldn't that just be a given? So I think a lot of problem in that uh, kind of communication is that acting and thinking are often separate. And I think that from my boring philosophy background, an act and thinking are kind of synonymous in a way, because in order to maneuver the world ethically, you have to think before you bring it out into the world, right? But if you're not thinking about what you're doing, what are you doing? Are you, are you engaging with the world? Or are you simply functioning in the world? And I think ethics requires us to engage with the world in a way that can be painful at times. And like I said, that leads to that moral residue of, I can't just go into my brain and hide from this problem. We need to engage with it because running away, you know, as cliche as it is, it doesn't finish the problem. Uh, and so, although we do hire students, you know, they're growing individuals who are figuring out how to engage with the world as well. Uh, and so we need to encourage that by uh, exhibiting, I guess, moral beacons or ethical beacons where they can say, that's it, that bright light, that thing is what we need to be doing. That's the right way to engage with the world. And so I think Georgia Tech does a pretty good job of that in a lot of ways. Interesting. Kelly, how would you answer that? I just kind of wanted to tag on to something that Eric said. I think as we age and we have all of these life experiences, I think we begin to understand the depth of the decisions we made, that like the, how our decisions resonate with others and long-term impact with decisions. Like I think about when I was younger, it was very easy for me to make decisions. Like this is right. This is wrong. This is my life's passion. And then as you get older, you understand the ramifications. And I think it can become more challenging to make decisions when you understand with a greater depth what that impact is. And I think that that's what kind of came to mind when Eric was talking about this moral residue, right? These like sticky questions and feelings, and you could still feel like you made the best decision you could make, and you might still have questions about it. And I think that that happens as we age and gain more experience, maybe not even as we age, as we gain more diverse life experiences. Yeah, it almost feels like, you know, it's a reminder to think to stop and pause and take a beat and just think about sort of what our next best step is going to be. So that seems like um, a reason why, you know, an organization like ours would have a value like this. One of the behaviors that is mentioned as we look at this value of we act ethically 
It talks about initiates conversations about ethics and puts them into practice. So if there are like managers or leaders of teams listening to this podcast, what tips, Kelly, would you give for people to sort of initiate a conversation? It's funny because Eric said my boring philosophy background, but like it's great, right? I know, right? How would you initiate conversations about ethics and ways to put it in practice? I mean, I think I pull from my experience with students and like facilitating conversations with students that might be challenging. And I think it's, I think it's seek to understand, right? Like, so practice active listening, all of that. But I think it's involves asking questions that are open-ended. Like, what do you think? Here's a scenario. What do you think? What are potential challenges? What are potential solutions? Within those potential solutions, what are pros and cons? And kind of begin to parse out the thinking behind some decisions. And I think you can kind of begin to understand what uh, our employees are leading with. Like I've done strengths, there's DISC. And I think that can help us to understand how an employee first begins to filter information or first begins to think through solutions to challenges. And then that's where you can maybe find a, a point of dipping into, okay, well, let's consider this. What are the ethical ramifications of this? Or might we consider this, but you're understanding your employee at the same time while you're bringing in this topic to consideration, which is tough when you're trying to get a lot of work done. Mm-hmm. But I think it involves a lot of intentional supervision. And intentionality, I think, is that critical point. Yeah. Eric, how do you, what tips or tricks would you give to someone who's trying to initiate conversations about ethics? I think humans have such a luxury and, and Georgia Tech is a school of science a lot, you know, and we have the ability to examine the failures of others. You know, what went wrong? Uh, how can we do better? And I think that that is the a jumping off point in a lot of ways for ethics is we have the ability to uh, reflect upon others' mistakes. You know, it, the COI system is essentially established because we looked at Emory and Emory was, did something really wrong. <laughs> Not to name drop Emory, sorry. Uh, but we can reflect upon those systems and where they fell apart. And that is a critical element for a good ethical position is that you take in information and you say, wow, we don't want that to happen to us. How can we not make it let it happen to us? Mm-hmm. And that's a safe, that's such a gift, I guess, for uh, the, the capacity for thinking about those things. And honestly, I'm also a big believer in uh, medium or media. So like, movies, books, uh, you know, just even the five, five minute clip of a movie can change the way that somebody thinks of a situation um, and how they need to respond to that situation. And I, I don't think it has to be an exhaustive, you know, preparatory element for thinking about ethics or bringing ethics into work, but even just like, you know, introducing a problem that's, that's occurred in real life or a movie or a book. And it, it just changes the way people think. Yeah, this idea of learning from others is interesting. Kelly, what were you going to add? I was going to say, I think being connected to your field of work is crucial for that, right? Like this Emory connection. But I think within each of our own fields, whether it's conferences or email listservs, you can see what's happening at other schools that can prompt these kind of real world discussions. How would we handle this? Are we prepared to handle something like this? Do we need to develop something to solve this challenge or evaluate this issue? Yeah, Another behavior, it says consistently follows institutional guidelines. So this is interesting. It says guidelines, policies, principles, et cetera, et cetera, right? So what happens when, one, maybe you don't know what the guideline is, or two, you don't agree? 
How do you act ethically in those situations? And either one of you guys can tackle that first. We probably see a lot of this more. <laughs> so conflict of interest is a world where the feds wrote the general idea to the federal agencies and they left it in this terribly nebulous legal schema. And so our job is to parse through the USG policies, our Georgia Tech policies, which were designed for research initially, um, but now we also do business and figure out what is the risk appetite for the university? What would be considered the good, right? So we're fortunate in the fact that we have the guidelines while other places may not have these, you know, guidelines in place. So we, we kind of rely on, they would call it phrenesis, which is uh, like a rationale or reasoning that occurs from, you know, receiving information. So we have that luxury and then we're just kind of stuck with it. Uh, you know, we use a committee, so it's not just a single person. So we get multiple viewpoints, which is another critical feature for maneuvering ethically is not just taking the ball and, you know, running it yourself. But yeah, and so we try, we try our best. And worst case, we'll kick it up to USG and be like, what do you guys think? Uh, and sometimes they'll give us some good feedback. But yeah, it's 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 super tough when it's uh, in those weird in-betweens of legal and ethical. It can be it can be really tough. Yeah, I think, Kelly, I want to see if you can add to that. But I'm really curious about this idea of sometimes people just are doing the best that they can. They yeah, don't know. Absolutely. And so, like, how does a, a leader or a person that's responsible for resources or whatever it is, how do they sort of handle those situations in an ethical manner? So I think that there's a few different perspectives that I have on this. So one, I think part of your question was how does somebody find out what policies are? And if you didn't ask that and I just added it, that also occurs sometimes, right? <laughs> so I think what we hope is that employees pay attention and consume as much as they can possibly consume during training. But it's a lot, right? It's a lot to learn when you're a new employee or you're transitioning to a new job. So we know that you might not remember everything, but what we hope you will remember is where you can get access to that information. So when you move through your work, you can seek that information out. That's from kind of the employee perspective. From the people who own some of these rules, it really is their responsibility to identify how to put controls in place so that employees who don't know what rules exist or where the rules can be found, that they are going to interact with something that will alert them to the fact that there is a rule. So if somebody wants to organize a program serving minors, when they go to book space, there's a question that says, is this a program for minors? And that triggers information about the policy and all of those things, right? Because it is too much to, we don't want our employees to go through and read every single policy in the policy library and try to retain that. We want them to spend their energy doing the work they've been hired to do. And we want them to find the policies when they need to find them. And, and probably even more than the policies, the controls that are put in place, and then the ways that they navigate that. And that, and that really is the responsibility of units who own these compliance requirements that are built on top of these ethical things. And I think that's something else that I like to parse out. Compliance and ethics are different, right? So we have embedded in this value and behavior a component of compliance, but it's a little different. Like I think of values as the road that we're on or ethics is the road that we're on and compliance is the measures that keep us on the road. And if people fly off the road, 
they built more and more compliance structures or controls in place. Like I think when you're driving south on 75, right, and you've got to get over 15 lanes to get on north 85. When I first moved here, there were there was one speed sign that said you should drop down to 40 miles an hour. I saw a car literally do flips behind me. So I paid attention and now I go slow, but other people haven't. And so now when you take that turn, there's flashing lights, there's speed bumps in the road. They've put all of these additional measures in place to try to corral people into the ethics, into the values of this, of the road, and to keep people safe and alive and compliant, right? So I think they're a little different, but they work so closely together that they they work hand in hand. And so I think it it's up to the employee to find out like to try to follow rules when they intersect with them, to ask questions. But it's really the responsibility of the office to identify what controls might need to be put in place to keep people on the road. Interesting analogy. I really like that. Going down this analogy standpoint, and you guys can say, yeah, no, I can't think of anything. But I'm wondering, what are some of the most common ethical dilemmas people face in higher education like? I know we're kind of, we're a research one institution, right? We're a science, we're a technology, but are there like kind of big, you know, like the speed, like using your um, analogy, Kelly, about the road and the speed limit signs, like are there specific or common, I guess, dilemmas that employees face here at Georgia Tech? Eric, can you think of anything? Well, I would say the classic one is to, to say anything, right? I think that's the hardest one. It's to speak up and we're not, asking people to tell on their coworkers. We're asking people to ask questions. A lot of what we do is we ask faculty, staff, students to say, to just say something to us. And then we'll lead them to, you know, if there's anything extra needed. And I think that the ethics of just speaking up without them being overly concerned about the repercussions uh, and making them feel comfortable is, I mean, cause making comfort is part, part of my job, right? It's to make people be like, yeah, we got you, you know? And and you said something, so we're here to help you. You know, we appreciate it. I think that's probably the most common ethical conundrum that people encounter is just saying something. Yeah. And a lot of people don't feel empowered to say stuff. And I think that that's a pro- that can be a general problem. So our office kind of is like, yeah, please come and talk to us. We're always ready, please. Yeah, that reminds me of a conversation that we have, like as an overarching sort of thought process as we think about our values. And that's this idea of psychological safety. Like, is it safe yes. for people yeah. to speak up, you know? Yeah. Kelly, were you going to say something? No, I agree. I was actually going to kind of take that lean to it, which is our employees, do they feel comfortable kind of moving up a quote unquote chain of command to address questions or concerns? You know, so are they comfortable going to their supervisor? Are they comfortable going to their unit director? Are they comfortable going to their HR rep? And so I think building that trust and that psychological safety is really critical because I think there's a really wide variety of ethical issues that arise on campus because we're a multiversity, right? We have real estate, we have research, we have education, teaching, interpersonal interactions with colleagues, power dynamics at play. And there's really a lot of different things that happen on our campus. But one of the big questions is, do people feel comfortable speaking up and to whom do they feel comfortable speaking up? Yeah, it's, it takes me back to this idea of we hold one another to the highest standards, but we also have to hold ourselves to the highest standards, right? And then from there, like, I love what you said, Eric, about lead with understanding and questions and trying to, you know, necessarily question 
sort of what you believe you are seeing and not lead with this judgment and sort of holier than thou sort of attitude where when we think about trying to hold each other to the highest of standards is really to create this system so that we all can help each other. The maybe last question before I give you guys a chance to sort of wrap up is when people hear about ethics, they hear the word ethics and Kelly, you did an excellent job sort of sussing out the difference between ethics and compliance. But on our campus, when they hear that, they think of the annual compliance campaign, right? And so for those of you who are listening, that is a time of year where we all have to go to our computers and spend some time learning about these topics. My question to either both of you actually is if you had the perfect scenario around creating a culture, an ethical culture, how or if you would use a compliance campaign or training to aid in that? I I think for me, it's difficult because I see them as so different. You know, I think that there is value in a compliance campaign. I think there is value in compliance. And I think we live in the real world where when people drive off the road at great speed, agencies, the federal government, the state are going to put in place things to measure knowledge or attempt to measure knowledge. But I think that that is different than ethics. And I forgot your question. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. The question is really seeped in this idea of how effective are these campaigns in order to drive this, going back to we act ethically, right? Mm -hmm. People think about the compliance campaign and how effective or not we believe those things are. And if we don't believe they're effective, what can we do to strengthen that? I can, I can kind of attest, you know, because we built the, we redid the compliance element for conflict of interest. And I would say that to build a perfect thing is to understand that we live in a, I think they would say pluralistic uh, community and that there's not just one single mind. There's not one single person. So the way that I think we approach the conflict of interest this time was we need to make this the bigger schemas of what is the right thing to do, apply to as many people as possible. Will we catch everybody? Certainly not. Uh, We're going to try. But the idea of catching as many people in a uh, system as big as Georgia Tech and making it so like, oh, I get it. That's the thing I should do is so hard, uh, you know, and we, we, we have to kind of aim for, you know, everybody thinks of the professors. They make up a small portion of the university. You know, we have a large student body. We have a large administrative body. We have a large people who keep the university running. Um, so how can we communicate with those people in a way that's they at least are thinking that's the person I should talk to. There's that beacon, you know, I, I, I use that phrase again, a moral beacon or ethical beacon, somebody who I can come to. And if they don't know, they'll help send me to the person who can. I think that's the big goal of a good system. If you hit the target 95% of the time, you're a great shot. And we should shoot for that because we will never get 100%. That's that moral residue. We'll never get it all right. And so I think if we do that, then we're doing pretty good. Yeah. I agree. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Kelly. Sorry. Um, I was going to say, I think there's something else, like to your point about faculty or percentage. I was having a conversation with one of our arborists who was frustrated by the annual compliance campaign and and was saying, like, this doesn't speak to the ethical questions that I'm evaluating, 
you know, in so many words, right? He's like, what we get asked is, you know, by a fraternity or sorority, if we can help out and we have to evaluate whether that is private or public land, you know, is that Georgia Tech or not? In my head, I was, you know, trying to be supportive and say, you know, I understand your concerns. But I was also thinking, because of this training and, and perhaps some frustration, you're still asking and answering these questions, right? You're still acknowledging what it is that you have to evaluate and you're providing the answers or advocating for yourself. And so I, I think even though they weren't, quote unquote, included in the program and the compliance campaign, it still spurred thought and evaluation. And I think that is what we're looking for, Eric, to your point of, do you know where to go to ask questions? And is the spurring questions? Yeah, I think this is amazing, right? So just to kind of summarize a little bit, it's this idea of we act ethically and are we taking a beat? Are we taking a pause? Are we thinking um, and not doing those, you know, mental heuristics where we take shortcuts and just not really think about what's happening? So us having this value really is meant for us to take a take a pause and just think about what's happening. We also talked about this idea of being moral beacons, right? And so either being moral beacons or looking to moral beacons, seeing, um, learning from others, right? Learning from maybe mistakes or victories of others is another theme we saw here. Create safety, not only create safety, but create knowledge about sort of where you can go when, you know, you need to have these conversations. But as an organization, we also have to work on creating that psychological safety so that people can feel comfortable doing that. And then just have the conversation, right? Like, let's just talk about it because, you know, what I'm thinking from my lens may be a little bit different from what Eric would think from a lens where he's been studying this topic and, and trained in it, right? Maybe even different from the, you know, the landscaper that uh, Kelly's talking about, but we're all thinking about and having conversations and interrogating sort of what's the next, next best step. This is an interesting value, y'all, for me. The, the idea of the compliance and ethics, thanks, Kelly, for sort of shaping the differences between that and how they complement each other. But before we close, if there's any thoughts that you all could provide for someone who is working on our campus, they're looking at this value, and they want to just do the right thing. I gave some high-level summaries of the things that we talked about, but this is an opportunity for you guys to give any final thoughts on, on that. And Eric, you can go first. So, I mean, we're going to do the boring old philosopher thing and say it is no small matter for it's how we live. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's in regards to ethics. And that was either Socrates or Plato. You know, we'll be boring and say them. And I say that because oftentimes we're tasked with knowing why we do the things we do. And sometimes it's impossible or hard and it takes that reflection and humans innately we hate reflecting upon things that we didn't succeed on and i think you have to break that because if you want to do the right thing you're going to fail so what we can offer on campus is a lot of understanding the failures and helping people who may be close to failing or have failed in a way that is allowing them to rise again and improve you know, we can want to improve everybody, not just, you know, ourselves, but everybody on campus. I want people to walk away with engagements uh, that they've had and say, you know what, that was actually worth it. And I think if we can do that, then we're killing it, you know, because ethical failures happen all the time. I, I should have I shouldn't have looked at my phone for a second and uh, I'm in the car. Oh, no. You know, like we, we just do it. So I don't. Yeah, I think that's the best kind of way forward is just 
get hurt a little bit and learn the lessons. Kelly, any final thoughts? Ooh, um, okay, I think I have two. And, and one is, I think that we are all doing our work together with other people, right? For most of us to do our job, we are working with other people, whether they be colleagues or students. And we can both have or all have different opinions about a best, best path forward, and they all are ethical, right? Like they can all be ethical and different. And so I think sometimes that's hard to parse through. Like, okay, I have a different opinion. I, I can recognize that your, your different opinion isn't inherently unethical. It, it, it could just be different. It could be a different business decision. And that's okay. So that's, that's kind of one component. The other is that I think, Eric, you said, like, you make mistakes, right? We make mistakes. You can tell people about it. Like, tell people about it. I had to email Frederick Trotter because I accidentally hit a golf cart with my car on campus. It was very stressful, and I wasn't sure what to do, and I called Frederick Trotter, who does insurance, who I work with for other things, right? And I'm even very stressed telling you guys now on this podcast that I, that I did that last year. But I think we have to become more comfortable with disclosing things when we think we make a mistake or when we do make a mistake, because that's one, how we figure out what to do next and also how we begin to unpack. Maybe are there systems or structures in place that aren't helping us make ethical decisions and, and can we resolve those? I'm proud yeah. of you, Kelly, for hitting the golf cart. It was so stressful. <laughs> I have not been in a car accident ever in my life. And then I hit a little parked golf cart. It was so stressful. But I think that's the key. That is that that Kelly, what you're saying is really sort of central to this idea of we act ethically. We're not going to always get it right. We're not going to always agree. But what we can do is have conversations and help each other through all of the dilemmas that we, you know, we may face. And so when I think about that space between a stimulus and a response, right, we've talked about some really good tools for people to use, and that is to slow down a little bit, slow down a little bit, find people that can help you, um, know that we're going to have failures, every, we're not going to always get it right, but we can learn from those things together. And so as we wrap up this podcast about We Act Ethically, thank you all so much for making it real and making it something that we can sort of wrap our arms around and understand beyond this idea of, did I click the button to make sure that I got credit for my compliance campaign? And so we just want to make sure that on our campus that we are creating the conditions for us to hold each other to the highest of standards as we act ethically. So thank you so much, Kelly. Thank you so much, Eric. I'm still questioning your decisions about pumpkin and- uh, I, Oh yeah. no, man, pumpkin's got to go. Y'all perplex me with the pecans, <laughs> pecans. I'm like, oh. <laughs> We will go forward and multiply, but thank y'all so much. And you have just been interrupted.